Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Selfish Lou. Loufish? Loufish? Well, if, if you haven't, if you didn't know, we live stream our recordings <laughs> and we put these episodes on YouTube, and Lou is wearing a Selfish hat. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's actually kind of specific actually it always makes me laugh i know it's not like i know there's a deeper story to it but it's actually an artist that uh dj ice had me master the entire album for ah and this is part of the merch for the album and after the merch came out he came to the studio one day he's like by the way i got you a hat and it said selfish on it i'm like you know what I'm going to look yeah. in the mirror and remind me <laughs> that uh, some days I need to be selfish. So, so Lou, today's nickname, Lou, is Selfish Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. You know, Whether or um, not that's true is, is uh, deba- I'm, debatable. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a happy amount of me time today. <laughs> um, and today we have a very special episode with a wonderful guest. We're so excited to have him on. David is the host of Mixbus TV on YouTube. If you what, haven't what? heard of him, heard of him, you haven't been doing enough research on YouTube. That's <laughs> that's what it's come down to. He's a he's a mixer, mastering engineer, as well as a teacher, online teacher. Um, has a YouTube channel. Um, was a touring musician at one point. Is now fully in the studio. Is now working with a is producing full executive producing an artist named Bella. Wonderful coach, everything, wonderful engineer. Give it up for David. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank everybody for tuning in. And I, 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 also, I also paint the walls if you need and swipe the floor. That's <laughs> <laughs> my curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We're so excited to have you on. We're really, really grateful for you. I know you're busy and I know that all the content creators are working Yo, I'm not going to lie to you. For anybody listening right now, um, we are a much smaller channel, but I'm going to tell you how much we're busting our butts for you. Oh, and yeah. I can't imagine how much David is busting his butt <laughs> for you as well. So, I think it's busted. <laughs> busted, yeah. But uh, today we have an interesting topic. Um, David, you are currently mostly a mastering engineer and then also do mixing. Yeah. Um, but recently with your now fiance, congratulations on that. You've Thank been you. going back into the route of like full on executive producing, going from recording to finished tracks, even producing out some of the tracks or I'm not quite, I don't quite know, uh, intimately how deep into the process you are. Um, but I want to take a look at how you came to LA as a touring musician and then, and then went into the studio and then now you're coming back out to... Um, to produce and how what that experience has been like and what you've had to relearn or to kind of 
um, what you figured out is important, especially because you now have an asset, like a, as big or as small as it may be, you have yeah. a platform to perform, like to, to showcase your artists. You have yeah, a YouTube absolutely. channel. Like that's so incredible. And, yeah. uh, and kind of the insight that you've learned from all of this stuff. I, I love to take and poke your brain. Maybe we'll Absolutely. even get into some marketing too. So tell us a little bit about your story and your background and how you ended up getting to where you are now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, uh, my story starts uh, aside from the years in which I was learning piano that I was just a little kid and everything because my mother wanted me to uh, first guitar and then we'll skip all that part. Um, when I when I formed my pre my first my first and only band, uh, like many, we were elbowing our way into the industry, right? So trying to find a contract and, and you know, trying to find somewhat success. And uh, eventually we, we signed with, uh, with, a, with a major label, with a universal record, and we did an album that, um, that collaboration didn't go that well, let's put it this way. Uh, those were, we call them the shelving ears at this point. We're talking about 2008, 2009 where a lot of labels were basically buying off uh, bands that could uh, hurt their main acts or just, you know, whatever. And they were shelving mm. them. So that was the first lesson. Just because you sign with a major label doesn't mean absolutely nothing if you're not at the top or their, or their list of their priorities. And that's what exactly what happened to me. Uh, and we, we didn't know, of course, you know, when you sign with a, with a record you know, uh, label, you think, hey, that's it. We made it. You know, this is universal. You know, it's amazing. But it wasn't, you know, and uh, <laughs> many things happened. <laughs> we, we were like, uh, we, we couldn't even check it, how much we sold, if we sold anything, because we're talking about the CD era here. So we weren't, there weren't numbers online for streaming or anything. So um, the, the, I had a contract for six years, um, one album every two years. So three total, um, we did not see a dime from the first album. And uh, uh, actually one day, like a friend of ours called us and told us like we were, me and my bass player, we told us like, hey, amazing, I'm playing with your songs on Rock Band 3, the video game. And, I, and we were like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? Because we didn't know anything. We, we absolutely didn't know because we didn't know but we signed everything off so they could do whatever they want. And so, yeah, we went <laughs> on YouTube and there was like, they're still out there, by the way, if you look at it, if you look Wait, at Wait, hold YouTube, on. I have there. to, I have to ask, what is the, the song in the band name officially? Oh, there are, there are, there were three songs in the, in the video game. And, uh, I think, uh, you can find it easy if you go on YouTube and Google Hellfire Society, uh, what would be Run Rabbit Run, uh, Rock Band 3, or just uh -huh. Hellfire Society, Rock Band 3, and they should be coming up. And there's people Oh, that's playing awesome. Yeah, there's people playing with our songs, and we didn't know anything basically. So when so, you found out when you found out your music was on a very popular video game, yeah. I mean, I knew that you kind of you didn't know that you sold your rights, but were you excited that that was even a thing, or were you like, oh, what are you doing? Yes, your... that, yeah, of course we were like super happy, but the problem is that all these things don't mean much if the the label doesn't promote you, you know, and they're just making money off of your stuff. Even the little that, you know, we actually don't know how much we sold. Uh, it's not that we were like a gigantic band or something. I mean, we played, you know, world tours, but it, it wasn't like we weren't like corn level or something. 
So even the little money, we never saw anything. So we, you know, we were just able to, for the label to let us go because we weren't seeing a dime. And then uh, the second album we signed with a, with a um, pretty big uh, independent was called Dance Macabre Record. But at that point I was kind of saturated, you know, because of all the problems with the first deal. And then the life of a musician never was exactly for me, you know, cause I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't party. So I was like, after playing, I was going to bed. <laughs> so we were, I, were, I was like a little bit like a fish out of water while I very much enjoyed the, the studio life more. But all this, I think everything happens for a reason because it taught me a lot about the music industry and, and it taught me what to look out for, right? Hold for on, hold artists. on. I, have, yeah. I don't mean to stop you. No First problem. Off, I didn't know exactly your touring history. Yeah. And hold on, what was your part in this band? The I singer? was a singer and songwriter. I was playing also guitars in the studio and like doing pretty. Okay, okay. Because like, I just looked this up, bro. I know you're like big into like going to the gym and everything. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm looking at your pictures right now. You're ripped. <laughs> you are ripped. <laughs> You've been ripped. Holy shit, that's crazy. And that's like, that's a look. Sorry, you got to look it up. You got to look look it up if you're listening right now. That's I, crazy. That's I don't awesome. think DK has seen this scene of music much. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not a rocker at all. So like, this is so cool. This is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Were like the and, lead you know, frontman. You were a straight edge frontman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I was. And uh, so yeah. I mean, even even if it's still kind of the rock star thing, it wasn't for me. You know, mm. I was a very boring kind of <laughs> frontman in that regard. But the whole thing kind of taught me what to look out for and how, you know, a, a big chunk of the reality that is the music business. So the business side of it. And um, so I can I feel like I can protect my artists right now and I'm not going to grab the first, you know, crappy deal, which basically is, oh, yeah, sure. We, we take, you know, 95 percent of everything and you take five percent, which at the end of the day, you actually owes us money because we give you like a, an advance or something. Do, do you recommend, I mean, having firsthand experience getting signed and, you know, having a specific experience, what do you think about people that are interested in trying to get signed or have recently gotten an offer to get signed by a major or minor label? Like, is that something that you recommend for if you've never done that before? I recommend to have uh, some some someone that is has experience in music contract to take a good look at that contract first. And the thing to make sure are that in the contract, there's first of all, when you're going to be paid. Because sometimes it just says in a timely fashion. And that means whenever they want. Oh, <laughs> Could be 10 yeah. years, right? That, that means bullshit. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> The, the, their deal is that whatever you give to them, which is most likely your copyrights or your masters, which I advise not to give, uh, because unless there is a, a, a significant investment in promotion from the label, because that's nowadays, that's everything, right? That is absolutely everything. Um, not only they have to give you access to certain outlets of, that would be inaccessible for like the average Joe, 
but they also have to put some promotion in the contract, what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, in what capacity they're going to do it, and then the split at the end. Um, so I, I don't jump on a contract just because a label wants to sign you. If they want to sign you, which nowadays is kind of hard, and I can go into it if you want, uh, if they want to sign you because they see value in your music. So know your worth. And don't get excited just because, oh my God, it's a, like, like a, a contract record deal and I'm going to jump on it and I'm going to be famous or rich. No, probably you're going to, like best case scenario, you're going to be like more popular for a little while. They get all the money. And then, you know, if you, if you get a, a bad contract or something like this, um, there's going to be another one like you next in, in, in three months from now. I don't, I don't want to misquote because I, do, I genuinely don't know what I'm talking about here. I should probably pull it up while I'm talking. But I've heard, again, I've heard is not a credible source, but something along the lines of like less than 1% of bands that actually get signed make it to like stardom. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So if you think about that um, average, uh, about 90% of the income of, a, of, a, of even a major label is brought by the top five artists. That tells you everything. It means that all the other, all the other guys are paying for that one way or another, you know? Holy and shit, so, yeah. Yeah, so like I said at the beginning, unless you are at the top, you know, priority for that uh, given label, really, really consider uh, why are you, why would you even want to sign? Because labels today, they, they, so the, the I feel like the era of the A and R's, the real A and R's that scout the talent and they somewhat invest in them, even if it's just time and and labor, right? It's kind of over because um, labels don't want to take risk nowadays. So they look at a new act like a small business. Is your small business already making money? And this in in 2022 translates in unfortunately. How many followers you have on Instagram, on TikTok, or on YouTube, right? Because at that point, you already have an audience. Mm. Even if this is the the the, the part that everybody it, it, it's is vomiting about, like it, they, they feel bad about. You don't even almost need to be an artist. You have ten million followers. Okay, here's a song. We'll we'll find a way to make you sing. Just get in the studio, right? Because with as big as number as those, they can, even if they sell to 10% of 10 million, you know, followers, it's still a lot of money and they don't have to pay promotion because you still have, you already have your audience and maybe you have some merch. So your small business already go, is already going. The era in which they find, oh my God, this, art, this artist is amazing. It, it still happens. I don't want to like destroy everybody's dream. It still happens, but I feel it happens. It's, it's rare. Right. It's way more rare than it was before. Before it was the norm. That's how that's how the industry kind of worked. Right. Now it, it's more like, OK, let's go on the main social media and let's see who's popular and could be a singer or something. They already have an audience. We can sell them merch. We can sell them this and that. And unfortunately, when the bottom line is uh, is money and only money, what suffers is the music is is the artist and is the audience, too. So, so you went from this fully signed label, some cool things happened. You learned a lot of shit. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that insight that you now have is invaluable. Like I don't, that is a super valuable insight. Um, what 
how did you transition directly into the studio? And what was that like going from frontman to backstage, you know, behind the scenes right. of a studio rat? <laughs> right. Uh, well, we go back to my first guitar in, in when I when they got me a first guitar for my birthday. I was like probably eight, nine years old. I suck at playing guitar always. Even, even when I was in a band, I suck at playing guitar. But I, I I remember this. I was just letting the, the string ring and start playing with the pedals. So you already know that that was more my instinct, right? So when we went to studio with the band, I was just frustrated because. I was hearing a certain sound coming from the amp and it wasn't translating on tape. I was like, that's not the sound that I want. Right. And of course, being a Virgo, uh, I, I, I am a, I am a student always. Right. So I, I, before going in studio, I wanted to know a few things. So I already started studying how a, a DAW work, how the signal flow works and all of my own. I didn't have like anybody, unfortunately. So it took me a lot of time, but I could, I already had I already knew a little bit like my way into studio, like what's a preamp, what an equalizer does, you know, stuff like that. So after a lot of trial and error, I was like, you know what? No offense. Just take a break. Let me sit here. Let me try. What's the worst that can happen? It's still going to sound not right. Like it was before. And it took a long time, but eventually I got the sounds that I wanted. And at that point I was like, huh, that was kind of cool. First I had fun doing it. And I actually maybe can do it if I like put my head down and I actually, you know, really start to study this thing. And this is how, this is how it started. And then other people heard my, you know, my, my work and it was like, Hey, can you do that for my band? And I was like, okay. And because I was with the band, my first gigs were kind of big already, you know, and it mm. was just, just because of the connections that we have and everything. So I landed a, an official remix for Ladytron and one for Felix the Ausscat when, you know, they were both were like sky high. Wow. I mean, Felix, Felix the Ausscat was like silver screen. He's probably his most popular song. And both remixes ended up in their official remix album. So it was like, cool. And then, of course, I went back to, you know, the, like the local bands and I built up from there. But, um, you know, that's how it started. And I was basically just already engineering and mixing and mastering for other people when I was in the band, but I wasn't promoting myself as such. Because back then, it wasn't, it wasn't as cool as today that you were doing everything yourself. You know, it, it, back in those years, were, aside from few exceptions, Back then, if you were doing everything yourself, people like other musicians and, and people were looking at you, are you broke that you can't afford like, someone <laughs> doing it? Like, uh, you know, today is cool. You know, yeah. and it's all, so, oh, you it's hustle. Almost, yeah, it's all, it's all, actually, it's almost stigmatized if you like, you know, you, you pay professional for doing it. Like, but back then it was like, yeah, seriously, are you like, are you broke? It like, was the what's, opposite. What's the yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't due because also people have sometimes have hard time accepting the fact that you can be good at two things, right? They have to put you in a box. Like you, you can either a good engineer or a good frontman. So it was like, you know, you can't be good at both. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is, you know, my goal, my, my focus right now is on the band and stuff. So I never, I never took credits for my mixes or my masters and stuff like that, but I was already doing it. And when finally I decided, you know what, I, I just can't do this anymore. It's not, it's not the life that I want. 
is is just you know it's not for me uh even the last tour was an absolute mess because we were on tour with Ansel and Gretel and we were touring Europe and um uh we had uh the first night uh uh what was in Zurich I think and then at 24 hours after we were at the Viper Room in Vienna sold out gigantic place we go out to to put that was day zero so we were like two bands with the amps and the lights and everything we go out to put our stuff in the van in the tour bus and there was no tour bus <laughs> and, and it was 3 a.m in the morning so was, we were like what? Uh. <laughs> so that's just one thing but yeah so many things like this happen and and i was just saturated and i was like you know what fuck it you know and i was actually grateful that i had a plan b without knowing that i had a plan b you know because i was already hold on i was like now what wait now i can be in studio and do that because i actually you know like it even better yeah and and during this time um and then eventually nowadays what is primary like not your youtube stuff and your other stuff like you're primarily work when you sit down and work um what is most Okay, yeah, mix and mastering. It's mix and mastering. Yeah, mix and mastering. And uh, let's say right now in this past month, it's probably 60%, 65% mastering and, and 40, 45%, you know, mixing. But you have this interesting songwriting producing experience, which yeah. I we can go on and on about how that's probably helping with your mixing and mastering and your musicality there. Absolutely. Uh, we've talked about this. We're both like musical mixers right i yeah. come from a musician songwriting i was a front man as well um kind of a deal so i know how that like influences yeah. mixes um but let's go into now you have an artist yeah. uh Be bella kelly right yeah and Correct. she's on instagram bella kelly official um and on youtube and stuff like that uh you've started what is your process now with her are you have you gone back to producing from scratch or like working with producers or what's, what's that been yeah. like? But all, all of it, all of it. Of course, uh, I, I can tell you this. I never, ever imagined, and it was never in my plans to go into such task <laughs> because create, basically creating a, so to speak, an artist from scratch, from, from, from scratch and, and, and trying to break it to fame is our, as an independent is arguably the most difficult thing you can possibly even consider doing in the music business. But for me, it was, uh, it, it, it kind of came so naturally when, um, a common friend of ours. So she was, she, she used to act and, and she was like in movies and TV series since she was a kid, she didn't like it and she wanted to do music. So, um, they were, going around the music, you know, events and stuff to just get networking. And a common friend of, of, of ours introduced me to her and vice versa. And I remember that one moment when I got at the event and, you know, they introduced each other. She said hi to me. She just said hi. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. What was that sound that came out of your mouth? Like right now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was like it, she sounded like a, a human life fairy. And I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, and, and I was generally like, holy, you know, if if this is the reaction that other people are going to have, that's like, which is usually the case, which is it's, it's just because we were, of course, we weren't, we just met, so we weren't together or anything. <laughs> um, it, that, that, that's, a, that's something already. 
And of course, she looked the way she looked. And I was like, wow. So we talked about like, what, what, what you want to do? You know, you have songs, you have demos, you need mixing. What, what, do you, what are you looking for? And so they explained to me that they were like starting from scratch. And so they basically, in short, even if they didn't know the definition, they needed a, a creative director, right? Which is beyond a producer, basically. So what is going to be the style? Where finding her style, where she's comfortable, what kind of music, what are your influences and all that. And yeah, that's when your your past as a musician comes in. It's it's interesting. Um, that's actually a really good point where she made such a deep first impression on you that was yeah. standout. Like it was not normal. Um, I I hate to say it, or maybe I'd love to say it, but even for you, the biggest thing that it sounds like, the biggest thing that made you want to work with her more directly on the music side was her charisma. Like yeah. Personality, kind of like the fact that she can get attention from just a hello. Yeah. And and that's really, really difficult for a lot of people. And some people have just like have it. Like I've had a I've had like a little label thing going on. And that's really, really hard to find. Okay, so you were you even planning on signing or working with an artist? You know that idea came because you were so impressed by this person. Yeah. It, 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 I had no idea, no intention because I was I just moved here. I had to get, get my shit together still, you know, and uh, and but the, the thought process was for me and you said it. Right. So it, it, it's not it is it, it, charisma is part of it is she's someone that when she enters a room, you know, people just go quiet and look at her. It, she can, you know, wear a, a potato sack on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just some That'll people probably work are even like more. <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah, some people are just like that. And so my thought process, even if it was unconscious right at the moment, was like, I want to be the guy who's there when you become a superstar. Right. And if I can help and facilitate that from half, you know, that I'm going to be even, you know, happier than that. So and um because yes, because I, I, I actually had um, a discussion, a uh, conversation with, uh, with Dave Pensado like time before, which is, by the way, he's kind of a little bit responsible for me moving back to LA like this fast as I did. Um, talking to him and others, you realize that a lot of people that start this profession, right? Uh, producer or mix engineer, it's very unlikely that you will ever take a famous artist out of the hands of the people that are already working with them. You're not going to take away Rihanna from the hands of their engineer that they're using, or, you know, uh, Kanye from, from the hands of Urko. It's not going to happen. They, they already work together. They, the, the, the team that wins doesn't change unless the labels decide differently. It's not how it works. While, for example, we've seen in past and Dave was one of the first guys that they, he didn't produce as I'm doing with her, but they kind of facilitate the mixing. And, and, you know, maybe they say like, you know what, I'm going to mix your shit for free. Just give me a few points and in copyrights. And the artist happened to be Christina Aguilera. Next thing, you know, (laughs) you know, so that is more realistic, you know, find an artist and trying to attach yourself to them, not in a malicious way, but 
if you see a talent, you don't have to do what I'm doing with her. But if you see a talent, like don't be, I always say don't work for free, right? Because that's that's a whole different discussion that I did in a, in, a, in a video. But if you actually find a talent, don't be afraid of attaching your name to them because you believe in them. Because that's probably your best shot uh, becoming, you know, are ranking up in the in the business. The problem is something what I will always say, because a lot of people ask me that, like, how do I do it? Where do I start? Unfortunately or fortunately, it starts with the artist, with the reaction that I had with her. If you don't have that and you just say, yeah, this guy's cool, it it's not the same. You have to start with someone at least that wows you. And then if he wows you, you you present the project and it wows other people as well, then you know you have something. But you need to, it can't, it's not easy to find. I mean, think about it. I had to go to the other side of the world to find mine. So it doesn't happen. It's it's very unlikely that you find it in your block or at the gym. That's what mm. I'm saying. It can happen, but you know. So I have a question for you. Uh, so now that you kind of have your background, we've kind of established how you met with Bella and everything. Now, we talked about, uh, you know, starting the project. Now, when you guys started finally finding her sound, where yeah. did you guys actually go through for that? Like, uh, you mentioned having to find different genres, different styles, where she's comfortable. Like, what was the process like for that? Because there's a lot of people out here who have a friend that they want to help out. I get, a, I get a call at least once a week saying, like, hey, you know, I have this artist. Uh, we're trying to, you know, develop her, this and that. But usually the first thing they shoot for is like, you know, we need the right mixing engineer. But that's never really been the case because you could turn in, you know, a great sounding vocal on something that just doesn't fit their genre and they don't want to do it in the long term. How did you find what was right for her long term? It was trial and error. And actually, um, at the beginning, um for about six months, I, I basically told her, I, first of all, you talk to the artist, right? Yeah. You talk to the artist and, and trying to understand what she likes, what, what music, you know, they like, what are right. their inspiration, right? What artists they, they would like to be associated with or the, the artists they would like to tour with. Because that mm -hmm. gives you their aesthetic, right? At least what yeah. they like. And then you kind of assess, okay, so what what is the, the market the, the the piece of the pie that you would fit in with this is going to be mainstream. It's going to be alternative. It's going to be like subculture. What is it? Right. And that it's based on where, what they like and what they sound naturally and what you think is going to be the right sound for them. And with her, I didn't give her like many, many directions at the beginning. I was just like, go on, like, listen to like, find beats and stuff or piece of music that you like and just write something. Just let's see what works for you. Yeah. And, um, and so she, at that point, at that point is where I realized her real talent, right. Aside from having the fairy voice that she has mm -hmm. is that she came and wrote, she could write top lines and lyrics, which are amazing on everything. She brought me like a rock country song one day. Huh. And she was like, okay, she was like writing legit, you know, top lines in that genre. And then she brought like a bunch of kind of trap-y kind of songs with, uh, with the lyrics and top line on. And uh, some ballads, which is more her style, like Lana Del Rey and something like that. And 
for the first six months, we never hit something that was good enough, which is normal, right? Yeah. And then one day she came with this song that was a very, very candy pop song. And it was good enough. So we shot a video, we recorded, we mixed it and everything. And I think after that, that point, after that moment, when I said, this is good, we can do, we can start here. Even if it, it wasn't, you know, the, the hit of the year, it was a good starting point. I think at that moment, like a wall came down for her and she probably thought, shit, I can't do this. And after we shot that video and everything was ready, she came back with like 10, probably 20 songs. They were more in line with what, for example, the last single is Heartbreak Motel. They were freaking amazing. And I had to take a really hard decision at that point, which was scratching that first single and that video completely because it wasn't her. We finally found her style after we did that. But if we didn't do that, and yes, we wasted some money on it. If that didn't happen, she wouldn't have been, she wouldn't have felt all right, I can do it. Let's, let's let it go. And, you know, she poured her soul on the following 10, 15 songs and the lyrics were so amazing. And, and, and the mute, everything was so touching. At that point, we go in studio with me and we uh, either write from scratch or collaborate with other people that sent ideas or full ideas or partial ideas. And we work them together. We arrange them together. And then she writes the top line and the lyrics and we, kind of iron out the last things together on those as well. And from there we record and, uh, and finish the product. Nice. I know you mentioned that at the beginning stage, you also told her like, just go online, find some beats, all that. I'm sure there was like YouTube searches, beat stars, whatever. Yes. Um, nowadays, now that you've kind of found where her sound is headed or going, um, do you guys reach out to specific, not, not asking for names or anything, but do you guys now have kind of like an associated team that you work with? Or are you guys still very much on like the online search or are you uh, building things from scratch now that you have a direction that you found? Yeah, b- definitely both. I build things from scratch. And even if we get like, let's say like a raw idea from someone else, mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, it's going to be, you probably, we keep like two pieces of it and that's gotcha. it. But um, yeah, we have a team. We have a, a team of people that gravitates around us. And I also, I also, for example, we did a remix contest for her last single, right? And the guys who won the remix contest, they did an amazing remix contest. So I, I told them like, hey guys, do, are you like interested in writing presenting for her? It, it is not a guarantee that we're going to use it. But if you have ideas, just send, send them because we like your style. That's you know? cool. Yeah. So, and, and I think this is the key. I think a lot of people today is so focused on, and I don't understand why doing everything themselves, because either there's this control freak thing going on, which I am a control freak myself, but you have to, collaboration is the key because you're, you're, I don't want to sound like hard, but there, let's put it this way. There are only few geniuses out there. There are not that many. So most likely you will benefit from, <laughs> from outside input and collaborations and idea uh, as opposed to think I am, I am like an absolute genius. I'm going to do everything by myself and take the market, you know, to storm and just go number yeah. one. It's very unlikely to happen. So you, I think you kind of have, you kind of need to be humble a little bit and just, 
you know. And, and look, every time I did this and I opened the doors to, of course, you, you, you don't open the doors to everybody, but to people that you admire and trust and maybe you, you want to collaborate with. It was an absolute success. Like I'll tell you this quick story. We, had, we, we already have three new songs ready, right? Ready to go, mix master, ready to go. And we are waiting for a fourth one. Uh, one of these three songs was the worst. And I was kind of stuck on it. I did most of it myself, right? And she already wrote the lyrics and, and everything, but it wasn't just, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. Yeah. And I talked to one of my, the people that I usually collaborate with. I was like, dude, we need a chorus here. We need a hook that is powerful. And just right now is like boring as is. So I chop it off. I left like this much space between, you know, two sections. And I was like, give me something, give me an A, give me something, whatever, whatever you want. And he sent me the part back with just a drum loop, a drum part. And I think there was like a, a bass sound. That's it. And so I got that and that input opened my mind completely. And, and we added, like, I called actually, uh, Mike, Mike Ransom from Adima, which is a friend of mine, because I had, let's, let's, let's do this with like heavy guitars, which is mm. like a blend of genres. Cause is again, as a kind of a trappy song, like a ballad, a trappy song. And we put this chorus that has gigantic downtuned guitars. And me and Mike came here and he put like his sounds and I put like my downtuned Viper on it. And it became the best song of the three. It was the nice. worst. And it became by far the, the best of the three. I think that's actually really sound advice because we've had people who worked with us at the studio they get to a stage where they're learning, learning, learning. And then, the, you know, you plateau. Just like when you go to the yeah. gym, you see the progress when you first start going, then your body plateaus and you need to switch things up a little bit. Yeah. But you don't really know where to go until you get some input from other, uh, other places because you probably plateaued because you went through everything you normally would have. You need exactly. that new spark. And uh, funny enough, I've told, like, some of our interns, like, you guys should produce together. It's like, oh, you know, it, it makes me feel a certain way when so-and-so can make something so much better. I'm like, yeah, but that's so, that so much better on their end is helping you create your ideas, right? They're like, yeah, yeah whenever we work together, like, it just flows. They're just so much better at that. I'm like, that's a good thing. You should hit them up every time you need that. Yeah. That's your, that's your go-to person when you need more ideas then. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's such a collaboration is such a powerful thing that yeah. honestly, that's, that's sound. I, yeah. And, and even, and this is what I also think I'll go a step further. Even if you could do it yourself, like I could have put the guitars myself on that part, but with, if I do it with Mike, I know it's going to be better, you know, and yeah. it's, it's not a matter of percentage, like, Oh, 5% better. 10%. No, it's just, it, 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 it's just a magic needs to happen when you create, especially music. So uh, when you, especially if you have already a person in mind, you know, and I was like, oh shit, like that guy, that guy's perfect for this, you know? Oh, yeah. So definitely collaboration is, is everything. And it doesn't have, a collaborator doesn't have to take over your entire thing, but just like happened to me, just give you like a, a starting point, you know? There's, um, this is super interesting, but um, this is, I have a couple questions from all of this. Um, I want to ask you about like self-fulfillment and personal satisfaction. Cause I know you were a mixer uh, and master and just an engineer for a long time. And just that until this project. Um, and I knew that you were, I know that you're a producer or songwriter before. 
has this been very fulfilling for you? Like how, how has that changed as you just kind of like, has, as you've yeah. kind of switched over? Well, definitely you, you, first of all is I like to try to challenge myself. You know, I don't like to sit. I always challenge myself, whether it's 10 pounds more on the bar or, you know, a better mix or, or something gigantic like this one, you know? So I like the challenge. I like the, I like the, the journey, right? While I do am interested in, and my goal is succeeding, whatever the, the word success means, uh, I like the journey because, you know, in this particular case, there's also a more personal thing, right? Because me and her, we are, we are engaged. So a big part of my drive, and this was at the beginning, right? When we weren't together. Her, so I think part of her charisma and part of, her, of the reason because I decided to do this is because her reasoning for wanting to do music has nothing to do with fame, has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with all these things. She actually very much disliked that part of the business. But it's, um, she had, let's put it this way, like a kind of a hard childhood, let's put it this way. And, and with her music, she kind of wants to touch people and kind of make them know that if they're going through the same thing, they're not alone. And uh, there's people out there that, you know, that understand that. And, and even just describing a certain emotion with a song, you can, other people relate with that. And they, even if you don't say it, they, they feel like, hey, that's me, right? That, that's how I felt, you know? So there's some, fun, some, some sort of comfort in that. And, and so for me, it's very fulfilling to even try to make her dreams come true. That's, I think, the most you know, fulfilling part of it. Yes. So you see, like, I, I kind of take myself out of the equation. You know, I'm, I'm not interested in like the glory and the fame or anything like that. I really generally, this started because I felt like she deserved to be heard. And I, that was my, that's what, that was my, my drive. Let's put it this way. I just wanted to try to make her dream come true. This, this is so interesting, and I'm going to talk out loud, think out loud here, but I'm sure that there's something that we can learn out of this. I find it interesting that even for her, who's supposed to be at the front, like you as the front man, and, and when I was a front man, like we were supposed to be at the front, there's something about it that that was fun for a time, but as far as like long-term motivation goes, that's really only possible again when you take yourself out of the equation and recognize yeah. that you do this for other people. I mean, we yeah. can go into like your YouTube channel, which is no small feat. Like that's difficult to continue to maintain and do. Yeah. I mean, if you were doing this for I'm David, I'm dope. And this is my channel. Like <laughs> you would have quit. Right. Yeah. Well, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's so interesting, like how at the end of the day, we still have to figure out ways to, kind of be selfless and again say the word that you said like be humble yeah and that's so awesome that and and granted this is so funny because this entire story is biased because you are engaged to bella so like that yeah. <laughs> absolutely but that kind of that kind of came after right because when you when you see like a, a for me it was a big part of it like it is just so like you when you meet as such a pure soul 
and it's it's kind of like hard you know to, to not fall in love like that because it is it's generally like that and um and i also think that the the, the audience for the most part at least a certain kind of audience, let's put it this way, they can, going back to where we, you, what you were saying, you kind of have to take yourself out of the equation and, and you know, kind of be humble. And I think people can read through it, mm. you know, and, and can, can read it like when someone is genuine, like whatever, whatever you do, either if you're on your YouTube channel or if you're an artist, I think a lot of people can read um, your reasoning for it. You know, just like they can. And look, I'm not bashing people that does it. Like, I don't I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not that deep. I just want money and cars and that's it. And that's why I do music. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's to each his own. And I think you attract your audience. You attract the people that wants the same. Right. Which, you know, it's fine. But when you are in a certain way and you have like, let's say. I don't want to offend anybody, but like deeper reasoning behind what you're doing you also attract a certain audience which you know i I think it's uh for the long run i think it's better oh absolutely absolutely can i ask you last thing that i want to talk about this is i've had a personal experience where i had sorry frog in my throat um, I had uh, a little label thing and I signed a couple artists and eventually grew up to like 12 artists and I was just mixing for them. And this was probably one of the biggest secrets as to how I got a lot of clients locally before mm-hmm. moving to LA in a small music town in Utah was because I over delivered and so damn hard because <laughs> I was basically mixing for free. So yeah. damn hard to like, a a small group of artists that I genuinely liked that they ended up propelling and becoming a catalyst for my word of mouth marketing. Now, Mm -hmm. if ever that I needed, or someone said, Oh, I need a mixer. There was 12 people out there preaching my gospel because they feel like they owe me favors. I mean, granted it's a two way street because I had to feel like I believe in them. Right. So my question to you is, have you found that when you, actively give right and let someone else take the spotlight in for in this your case bella or maybe some other experiences in the past that this also actually becomes a form of marketing of getting business normally 100 percent, absolutely 100 percent. and um i i almost want to say it's the best way to do it because it's organic and it and it's and it's genuine you know and the part where you over deliver, that's also key. You always deliver more than you're asked. Or if you can't deliver more, deliver it faster. You know? Mm. Ooh, that's- hold on. I'm going to quote <laughs> you on that. I'm going to quote you on that. If you can't deliver more, deliver faster. Yeah. So Shit. just find always a way to just, you know, be, let your clients and your friends and your artists, whatever, say, holy shit, that's, the reaction that I want when I deliver something is not like, ah, oh, can you turn the kick down a little bit? I don't want that. I want to hear that. I want the guy going like, fuck. Like that's <laughs> awesome. You know, so like always deliver more, you know, always deliver more. And, uh, and definitely, um, you know, it, it go, it all goes down, comes down to like, you know, be humble. Just let other, if, if you're complimented for your mix, 
take yourself out of the equation. Like, no, the artist is amazing. That's why I was able to do, which is true, by the way, 99% mm -hmm. of the time. It's because the song was well arranged and the artist performed very well. That allows me to be, to look good, you know? Because at the end of the day, like, it, it's it's always better. And, uh, and, um, and it, it's funny because I guess you can, kind of plan things like this and but, but i don't it comes naturally for me so i'm just you know thinking about it right now because we're talking about it but for me it's like so natural so i think also it has to be genuine you know and of course there's there's always you know a time in which you kind of brag a little bit about things because there's nothing wrong with that you know <laughs> as long as you're not cocky like i know a bunch of like a handful like okay few engineers that are really obnoxious about their achievements, right? Mm. Which it, 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 for me, is just a turn off. Like even if I admire you as an engineer and I would want to learn something from you, it's just when you're so obnoxious about like whatever achievement, you know, you, you happened this week, I just, I'm not interested in not even what you're going to say, you know? Mm. But um, as long as you're humble, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, for example, like Bella's video, like about four, five weeks ago, passed a million. It's huge for an independent artist. Add the second song ever. So, of course, I'm going to post about it. But you post about it saying, thank you, everybody, for the support. You know, you don't, you know, there's there's a way of, you know, presenting your successes, right? Instead of like, fuck you all. There's a million. It's, <laughs> it's different than you like, you know? <laughs> Because of uh, course, of course, uh, the industry, the music industry, and you know, so I'm not telling you anything new, is a, is a shark tank, right? Everybody is like your friend until they feel like you can be bigger than them. And then you're not your friend anymore. So of course, when, and there's always jealous people, right? And, and from all sides. So of course, everybody who achieved something probably had like a, a stone in their in, in their shoe and they would want to go like fuck you see what what did you say that i couldn't make it but you don't do, you don't do that right because you know let i always say i don't say it is a quote but let let let, let your success be your noise this mm. you know and Absolutely. um yeah it's definitely so word of, yeah go ahead sorry sorry no is is um i've seen so one of my mentors is uh leslie brathwaite and I've okay. seen him post about this multiple times on his Instagram uh, in various occasions, not too often, but every once in a while, how about how funny it is that people are willing to burn relationships and basically shit on someone. And then when it comes back to bite them, they're like, what, what's going on? Why, why did this happen? Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to me anymore. Yeah, what happened? It's, it's so funny. Like at the end of the day, I know like when we went to Nam, like I, I saw, I didn't go up to you, but um, I saw you at Nam. Nam is one of those things that makes me realize, oh shit, the music industry is actually a little bit bigger than I thought. Yeah. But, but actually speaking, like it's, it's not small. that big. <laughs> it's, no, it's very small. <laughs> it's like I mean we could probably like at least all of the mixers in LA we probably all know each other <laughs> after we a all, certain level. Yeah. We all know each other or we are one person away from each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, all that one rings more true than anything in LA. It's funny cuz yeah. LA is such a big county in general. Yeah. Uh it doesn't matter if you're in Santa Monica, your studio and the next guy's studio is next to Highland Park. I yeah. bet you anything they're friends and I bet you anything yeah. they 
text. They're on Clubhouse. They're on Instagram, whatever. They're literally one DM away of saying, you know, that guy you were hanging out with, uh, I don't mean to tell you anything, but uh, maybe don't talk <laughs> to him so much. He was kind of talking shit about you today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You I've know, had, and I've that, had to say that to someone too. Yeah. Like, no, be careful. This guy scammed people in the past. Yeah. I've, I, well, I give warnings about clients all the time. In fact, I have one client that always I mean, asks me for people, and I'm always like, hey, just so you know, after your session, ask them for your money immediately. Don't let them pay you tomorrow. Like, take <laughs> your money today or else you're going to be chasing them for a month. And, and that's because, yeah. like, as much as you are my competitor, right, Lou or, hey. or David, hey, right? As much as you clients. are my competitor, at the same time, like, we, I know what you're going through. We know what we're going through enough to respect you enough to be like, yo, be careful with this dude. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's another thing I... Uh, uh, it might sound not, not believable, but I I never I never had um, envy or jealousy. You know, I admire other engineers, and yeah, of course, you know everybody everybody hopes to work you know at the highest level and everything. But I think being bitter about what you think you deserve or where you think you deserve to be. You know, sometimes you see people like, oh, he, he doesn't know shit. Like, I'm better. Like, I should be there, blah, blah, blah. That's not the way to go. First of all, because the industry is very small. So, you know, first thing. And second, because it, it just shows your real attitude. And if you've been in the business for a week, you know one thing, that people work with you because they like you as a person, even before liking your skills. Because yep. a lot of people out there actually work just because of their their like you know good human beings, and maybe their skills are not the best, but it doesn't matter at that point because especially you know when we talk about music, you kind of have to build a synergy between the artist and who mixes and master the producer and everything. Look at Rick Rubin, right? He's he's not even a producer; he's just a I don't know a therapist for artists mm. more than a you know producer. And this wants to be like you know. Uh, like uh, it doesn't want to be. It wants to. Be, I don't want to say it. Rick is not a producer. It's beyond a producer, so much so, so that he understands that the human side of it is much more important than the actual technical skills. Amen. So I think yeah. I think you know um, a lot of a lot of gigs happen because. Because you have a relationship like at a human level with the artists, with the people. And people also talk about that, if you think about it. Like, for example, like, oh, wow, your song, you know, sounds amazing. Who mixed it? Well, this guy makes it, but he's like a dick. The guy's trying <laughs> to work with you. you know? I'm not going to lie, but I've, I've actually gotten that response when I complimented somebody's song. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, I, I know some people like that. And people, you know, eventually they were like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, I don't, you know, you're not the only one in the world. Yo, there's literally like, there's a, there's literally a dude in LA who I will not name, who is a representative for a few different high end retail companies, like in the audio world. I refuse to buy any of their products because he does, he's only a small part of their company, but he's the biggest yeah. dick I've ever met. Yeah. It's like, and, and that does pass along. Anyway, um, uh, I want to do a quick break because we're finishing up here. Um, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors. Number one, um, if you've been listening to this episode, you got to check out Mixbus TV on YouTube. And 
uh, David's artist, Bella, Ke- Bella Kelly Official. And that's on Instagram as well as on YouTube, um, as well as obviously Spotify, Apple Music as well. Um, but anyway, um, another thing too, if you are looking for online sending files to clients and collecting payments. Uh, Lou and I are heavily use FilePass. Oh, yeah. FilePass is really, really awesome software for sending um, clients the files and then also collecting feedback and collecting payment from them. So they can't, you can't, uh, clients cannot download the files until it's been paid for. So if you're interested in something like that, um, you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash file pass. Um, do I even need to say anything about AutoTune? No, you don't. But except except that they got something new that everybody should check out. If you haven't checked out the vocal EQ from Antares, that thing is insane. It basically does what Surfer from Surfer EQ from Soundradix does, but on crack. And if you're interested in that, the best deal that you can get is on mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune. Lastly, if you like this podcast and you want triple the amount of episodes, you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to unlock two more episodes every single week. So instead of one episode a week, you get three more episodes a week, and that is only $4 a month or $40 a year. That is literally less than a single cup of coffee um, for an entire month for three times the amount of episodes. So check that out. Um, On that note, uh, thank you so much, David, for joining us. Um, I have one last question for you here, and this is coming sure. from I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, changing the question slightly from witness the light music on Twitch. Um, you said never do any work for free, right? Um, how feasible? And do you recommend if you find an artist that you work with at a lower level, local level, that you believe you can help blow up? Do you recommend taking points or taking something instead of money? So it's, it's free money, but is there a way that you can charge them other ways? Yes, absolutely. Which is, you know, asking for a few points on, on the copyright or, or something like that. And um, I actually, I actually, I, I said never work for free, but it's, it, I, I should reward this better. Um, one video that I did some time ago about like how much should I charge? Right. And, um, that was a discussion that I, that I said, um, when you see it in the business, in this business, you got what you pay for. Right. So if, if someone does a $50 mix and mastering, and then you also come home and clean your bathroom, you got, you're, you're going to, you're going to get what you pay for. And, um, at that point I, I, I gave, low ball yourself ah, is going to be really hard for you to up your rates later on. Right. Instead, you're better off working for free when you find an artist that you like, just like you said, and build your portfolio at that point. So I, you know, when I said never work for free, it was just in the context of that thing. So definitely, um, definitely. I think it's the way to go when you find an artist that you actually believe in and you like, and you think like, Hey, his music is going to go, you know, somewhere and I want my name attached to it. So yeah, definitely. And you can ask for a couple of points. It's not much, but it, it kind of set a precedent, right? If you work for free, you notice how free plugins people tend to kind of say, ah, yeah, and it's not that great. You know, yeah. aside from exceptions, it's because when people pay for something, they have an investment and they feel like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I pay $4,000 for this. It better be good, right? 
while when it's for free, it's you know it's usually kind of disregarded as oh it's not that great. So that's why I always you know try to and I know at the beginning it's hard you know uh, asking for money, but it's instead of lowballing yourself and asking a hundred on a hundred dollars for like everything at that point work for free, tell them my, my, my usual rate is $500, get two points. So they tell their friends, Oh yeah, he did it for free for me because he liked me, but you know, his budget is $500. At least you save space and you kind of create a precedent. I actually found um, a pleasant way of communicating the, the exchange of points for a lowered or reduced price. Um, which is investing in the artist. And I actually like these conversations between me and the artist because it actually builds a nice relationship. I'd like to invest in you. So instead of charging you, I'd love to get some points in you. Yeah, Yeah, because I believe in you. Yeah, exactly. Because I've talked to an artist where they kind of bounced back on it. They're like, well, I don't know about giving engineers points because it's still a new thing. It's a new part of our industry where now with, what is it, Song Trust? Music, so you can moder- do it. Music Modernization Act. Exactly. But, um, you know, they told me, they're like, oh, well, I've never heard of anybody giving the engineer points. I'm like, you know what? That's totally fair. It's a new uh, thing that's going on in our industry, and I'll send them a link to it. You can read more about it here. But overall, I do really want to work on new music, and I really do like it. Unfortunately, I'm not taking on many projects under my price point at the moment. But if you're interested in, I'd rather invest in you. Let me put the money that you need off of the mix, and you give me equity in the amount of X amount of points. And yeah. we call it even if they fight back on that, not fighting back, but, you know, if they bounce back with any notes on that with concern, you can say, hey, listen, the only level of risk you're really taking is if the f- song blows up. If you really believe that this song can do really well, I definitely want to invest in it because if the song does do well, yeah. we all financially benefit in a way that right. makes me happy to give you that discount because I'll, I'll get to benefit in the end, too, and I will be attached to you. And if the song doesn't work out. At the very least, I invested in you. I took the gamble yeah. with my portion of the money, and I still managed to give you a discount and still be, you know, associated to you. In, in every way, I want to be associated with you. But if I'm to drop my price, let me use that discount as an investment and get some equity in return. Yeah, because there's also one thing to say that it's nice when we can be proud of the music that we put out oh, yeah. with our name on it, you know? Because sometimes you get paid and you get paid even more, you know, because sometimes you really don't like the artist. So you double your rate, hoping that they say no and they say, still say yes. Yeah. And you still kind of like, shit, no, I have to like, this is like, really <laughs> don't like do it, it. you know? You know, sometimes. But uh, yeah, you're totally right. And uh, I think that's a that's a, a very accurate way to, to present it. I just want to say this. This is not really new. <laughs> like no. engineers has been doing like they wasn't it wasn't publicized it wasn't like you know people didn't know about it but a lot of engineers even back to 20 years ago they they used to do this mm-hmm. yeah it usually came with like the form of management that was kind of mediating certain deals with the bigger artists yeah. because at a certain point like the labels had lawyers looking over every agreement for song releases and that's mm-hmm. when you really saw it a lot Nowadays, yeah. because it's become like a hot topic, you know, people see it as like new because it's on the news now. Whereas before, like you said, it wasn't really communicated. It wasn't really a standardized yeah. way of doing it. But it's really nice because I use it as a tool to better build a relationship with the artists in talking about, I want to work with you. I want to invest in you. If I do this discount, it's because I want to be with you as, yeah. a, as a provider in your circle. 
So um, that's about it for this episode. I want to wrap it here. Um, thank you so, so much, David, for your time, for your kindness, for your knowledge, letting us pick your brain and, and kind of learning from your personal experience. Um, no, thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So once again, subscribe to Mixbus TV on YouTube. Uh, go check out Bella Kelly official Bella Kelly on the YouTube, the Instagram, the everything. Everything um, website. <laughs> and happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. We have a lot of videos of the podcast and various other tutorials on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash YouTube. Happy mixing and enjoy the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 